Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Aleph Beta Quarantined. I am Imu Shalev, and sadly, Rabbi Foreman cannot join me today. An update on Rabbi Foreman's saga. He was in the U.S., then in Israel, trying to get back home. And I think this point, he's going to shelter in place. That was the recommendation he got from experts and advisors. So we are going to be bicontinental going forward. However, I have a really special guest for you today, the incredible Janet Hode, who, in addition to her many accomplishments as an individual, is the proud mother of Tyler Hode, who is a member of the YU basketball team. The YU basketball team, up until the whole coronavirus crisis, they were the champions of the Skyline Conference, which propelled them into the NCAA, and they won their first two games. They made it to the Sweet 16, and unfortunately, the plug was pulled, tournament was canceled, and this was really unprecedented. YU has never done so well. They brought so much pride to the Jewish community, and I wanted to talk to Janet about what that journey has been like. And in addition to that, Janet's son, Tyler, was also set to get married this past Sunday. Tyler did get married, but that is a another coronavirus story that I really wanted to talk to Janet about. Janet has been a longtime fan of Aleph Beta, a major supporter of Aleph Beta. Janet is a member of our producer circle, but I wanted to talk to her because her story is really moving and inspiring, and I think is exactly the kind of story we need to hear. So without further ado, Janet, welcome. Thank you so much, Emo. It's great to be here. So Janet, tell me about these past few weeks. Tell me about what it was like to be the proud mom of Tyler on the basketball team. Why are you doing unprecedented, incredible things? So we knew from the beginning of the season, this team was going to be very special. Their athletic abilities are really astounding. And what we saw develop during the year made us even prouder. They are such a unique group of Jewish young men. They ask that there be Jewish music before the home games. If you have been to the games, you'll see that after the game, our bench is being cleaned and picked up by our players. Wow. And there's a Dvar Torah before the game begins. Not just any Dvar Torah. I hear that your son is the team rabbi. He's the one who's usually... Yes, he is, quote unquote, the team rabbi. He hopes to go for smicha at YU starting next year at Reitz. Yeah, but they join together and they listen and give a a DeVray Torah before the game. You know, when another player on the other team falls, they're the first ones to run over and help him up. They just have such incredible midot. I think maybe people saw the videos that were being shared of uh, the team in the locker room after they won the NCAAs where they're just jumping with joy and singing praises to Hashem. They were dancing with the Misha Nechnas Adar, right? They were, it was a really, really cute video. Yeah, yeah, it was incredible. It's been a very, very special season. Yeah, I think what I saw on, you know, on my social media feeds and through the people that I, I talked to is that everyone has been so proud of this team. They're proud, first of all, that Jewish boys could do as well as they can. And you know, for the second time ever, I think, in YU's history, win the Skyline Conference. But to do as well as they did in the NCAA tournament has been really inspiring as a nice Jewish boy to live vicariously through them. But all the other things that you that you said, I think, also just means so much that they're a team that put Midos and Jewish values first, that they, in their own victories, recognize and express appreciation to God. That That's really inspiring. And I think moved a lot of Jewish kids, right? Young young children all over the country who were really rooting for this team. Yeah. I and mean, we even saw Purim costumes of young kids 
dressed up as Ofec Reef. We had some costumes, people dressed as Tyler, you know, with their leggings and the seat seat hanging out. And all these things you see in front, there's even more going on behind the scenes. Our greatest players, they're just the kindest people. There's no ego. It's really remarkable. Even the moms, every time we would get shut down or we were told we couldn't go to the hotel or Johns Hopkins decided that we couldn't have fans at the games, we made the absolute best of it. And it's really remarkable, the attitude that everybody had during this. Yeah. Tell me more about that story, since I know before everything was shut down, the moms, the parents, the families were traveling all over the country to make it to these games. And then right? Then a hotel turns them away. Tell me, tell me what happened there. Right. So we were headed to Maryland for the first round of the NCAAs against um, WPI. And the team arrived at the hotel and they were told that they could not stay at the hotel. So that was our first hurdle. And why was that? Well, because coronavirus was spreading. Yeshiva University was one of the first to stop classes. I believe they had a student from the family in New Rochelle, who was at YU. And it was really at that point, nobody knew how real, how serious this was, but the panic was starting to spread. And the hotel was very concerned about having YU players at their hotel. We quickly found another hotel and the team went to go practice at Johns Hopkins and Johns Hopkins would not let them in to play. Again, Johns Hopkins, understandably, is a major medical institution and they had their fears and concerns and again it's a lot of the unknown and this is a whole new thing going on so Johns Hopkins eventually made the decision that it would be no fans at that point it kind of threw us for a loop because tickets had been sold and we had to quickly make alternate plans especially as a group of moms sheltering in a hotel Mm. you know the hotel was great they arranged for a large screen tv and we all ended up watching it together Mm. there were some other issues with the team we were supposed to play they decided there were i believe three players that actually didn't want to play against us because they were afraid if they touched us they might get coronavirus so lawyers got involved and it was rough i think what's hard is is at that time right nobody knew what what was going to happen right And, and all the reactions of the hotels and the It was very understandable. It was upsetting, but look, nobody knew what was going on. And had we been in that situation, who knows how it would have worked. But the boys were there to play. We were doing everything right. We had had the players cleared by New York State. The players were cleared for no symptoms. We were keeping them away from any environment where they might catch it. Right. And I understand the boys weren't even on campus. They were kept away to make sure. Correct. I think the reason why this story is a powerful one is this is a team that was persisting and trying to accomplish something and trying to achieve something. And then, you know, coronavirus gets in the way and they can't do anything about it. They are a strong team. They're working as hard as they possibly can. There's this huge story that is unplaying. There are so many fans cheering them on on the sidelines. And then there's all these twists and turns. And in the end, the plug gets pulled. Tell me about that. How does that feel for you? As a mom, how are the other parents feeling? How are the kids feeling? I think everyone was really remarkable. We were so proud of the boys who really handled it well. And I think it also comes from the leadership. Elliot Steinmetz, Joe Schwartz, Mike Sweetney, all the coaches, assistant coaches, they really showed these boys how to handle stress and pressure. And you speak up, but you do so respectfully. And in the 
the same way you move forward. With every experience, you have an option, a choice of how you're going to deal with it. And you can either make the best of it and move forward, or you can focus on the negative. And I think our boys and the coaches and really all of YU made a decision that, you know, we'll deal with what the situation is, but we're going to move forward and we're going to view this as an experience from Hashem and make the best of it. Even Simcha Halpert, who at the end, when the Sweet 16 was canceled, he's a senior and was about to break a school record and he lost that opportunity. So he may be the one we feel the worst for, but, but everyone really had such a great attitude about it, really under the leadership of Coach Steinmetz, who really helped the boys through this. It was very impressive. And the moms also, you know, it's a disappointment, but it is what it is. And we move forward and it doesn't take away our being a team. We were so proud of everybody. Yeah, we're all really proud of you. We're really proud of, of these boys and of this team. I want to talk to you a little bit more. I think that maybe something that eased the blow here is uh, the way the season culminated it culminated in a simcha in your simcha in the simcha of your son's wedding tell us about that well the stories are actually intertwined tyler became engaged around sukkot and decided to get married march 15th we knew at that point there was a very good chance that the team would make it to the ncaa's because they were that good mm-hmm. what we didn't know <laughs> was that um, what we were going to have to do his off-roof at the Sweet 16s. Let me just uh, cut in and explain an off-roof for many of our users. Sure. An off-roof is the weekend before a groom gets married. It's sort of like a Jewish version of a bachelor party. The groom and his friends typically get together and celebrate a Shabbos before he gets married. And go ahead, Janet. So we had planned on having Tyler's off-roof at the NCAAs at the Sweet 16 at the hotel in Virginia. And... Thursday afternoon, we start hearing some whispers that the NCAAs may get canceled. Slowly, different professional teams were canceling their seasons. And then it was like the NBA and the NFL and, you know, it just kept coming. And then we heard the NCAAs Division I canceled and we -hmm. just were waiting. Thursday afternoon, we get word NCAAs Division III canceled. So we had to scramble because we had rented a bus personally to bring about 20 of Tyler's friends down to Virginia. We're having food catered for all these kids, plus the moms, plus the team to celebrate. It was going to be a nice big event. And Thursday afternoon, so you're like a little over 24 hours from Shabbat, We have to replan everything. That's crazy. Well, the story gets crazier. (laughs) So we had to have the caterer who was very kind. He drove all of the food from Baltimore to our house. We had to cancel the bus. We had to limit because by this point also, the RCBC, which is the rabbis in Bergen County, New Jersey, had basically closed down any Orthodox Jewish institution in in Bergen County, New Jersey. Right, all all shuls and schools were closed at this point. Yeah, so we had to also limit how many people we were having in our house at this point because we were told, please, not to have a minion in the house, not to have more than 10 men in the house. So Tyler invited eight of his friends, plus Tyler made it nine and kept it under the minion requirement. And the truck turned around, showed up at my house 11 p.m. with all the food. Now, there was food for about 100 people because remember, it was for the team and the fans and the family and everyone staying at the hotel. 
And we were having about 20 people maybe at our house, including my family and his guests, probably a little bit less. So finding a home for the food was also interesting because coronavirus fears were spreading and there was concern over who was touching it and Mm -hmm. how it was made. So that was a whole issue. What did you end up doing? Uh, We actually, we could not, we tried several Jewish institutions, could not give it away. Wow. We decided that we were going to make this simcha into a mitzvah. And we found a very low income community not far from us. And their church came and picked up all the food, and they ended up having a beautiful Friday night dinner for their members. That's wonderful. Yeah. The entire wedding ended up turning into a mitzvah, and it actually became more of a simcha because we turned it into a mitzvah. Got very crazy the week after the Ofroh, but we survived the Ofroh. It was beautiful. And then we continued with the week, which we had a lot of curveballs thrown at us then. Right. It was an intense and a difficult week. So the Ofroh was... This past weekend and then going into Sunday was the wedding. Sunday was the wedding, right. So that whole week, so let's go back. I'm in Maryland for the NCAAs, that first round. And then the fears about the coronavirus after the hotel shutting us out and after the other team decided they don't want to touch us because we might have coronavirus, all these fears are starting to escalate. And I know I have a wedding in a week. So we started contemplating, how are we going to handle this? We start hearing rumors, people canceling the weddings. And we send an email that Sunday. So we're one week out from the wedding. We send an mm-hmm. email out just asking people, if you're not coming, just to please you know, let us know. No right. problem. We totally understand. We had about 40 people between both families tell us they're not coming out of a 600-person wedding. Tuesday, we had some personal issues. Someone was diagnosed with coronavirus in our neighborhood. That was Purim. We started thinking, okay, maybe this is getting a little more serious, and now maybe people from the neighborhood aren't going to want to come. Right. And Wednesday, Fritch closed, which is the major high school here in the area. A lot of people at the wedding are Frisch parents. Mm-hmm. So at that point, we got together with the bride's family at seven in the morning to decide what to do. Mm-hmm. We had heard people were canceling their weddings. We had heard some people were doing the hoop in the living room or in the backyard. Wow. And we decided that we wanted to give Tyler and Avital the full wedding just with 550 less people. Wow. Yeah. So at this point, even when we called the vendors, the flowers had already been ordered. And mm-hmm. so we decided we were still going to have the entire event. Wednesday evening, we start hearing rumors that the rabbis are going to be closing down Orthodox Judaism at, in Bergen County. Right. Thursday morning, we find out they are closing down Orthodox Judaism in Bergen County. And we have to get on the phones with the rabbis to see if we're even permitted to have a wedding at this point. The twists and turns here are, are crazy. It was insane. It was just insane what was happening. So this was Thursday now. You're three days out from the wedding. We get permission from three of the rabbis to proceed. And now we're calling all the vendors to make sure, like we have a caterer, Genadine from uh, the five towns on Long Island, who, who he was the going to cater. He was originally catering for about 600 people. Now we're down to maybe 50 people. And we're not even sure he's going to be willing to do this. But he did. We had to run up to the Rockley, which is a very large wedding hall to replan all the rooms. Um, We had to let some family know that they shouldn't come. And meanwhile, we have the Ofroth in Virginia. (laughs) 
And all this is <laughs> happening at once. So it wasn't just moving the off rope. It was the whole thing. So then anytime the phone rings, we think someone else is canceling. So mm-hmm. there's a great Jewish musician, Eitan Katz. We were having Mordechai Shapiro and Eitan Katz as musicians at the wedding. Now we're down to 50 people. They both still agree to come. And my phone rings and there's a caller ID and it says Aton Katz. And I'm mm-hmm. panicking. I'm oh, like, no. oh no, is he going to cancel now too? And this is going to show the kindness of people. Aton Katz, all he wanted was to assure us that he was going to give it his everything. Oh my gosh. That he was going to make a wedding of 50 feel like a wedding of 600 people. And he wanted Tyler's cell phone so that he could personally call Tyler and tell him this also. And we started getting so many calls like this. I think Nahum Siegel announced it on JM and the AM and Strauss Bakery in Brooklyn actually called and they wanted to donate a wedding cake. And and we were just getting so many calls from kindness of strangers just wanting to help and bring joy through this Simcha. So then Friday morning, we have a whole off-roof thing. Shabbat arrives. We have a chance to decompress a little. And we realized that we thought it was a week of craziness. And it really was three days of just nonstop hurdles. Then we got a little crazy again because word broke out after Shabbat that Teaneck was all over the news being called Ground Zero in New Jersey. <laughs> so hearing that they're Ground Zero and, and now there's rumors you can't go in or out of Teaneck and everyone's on lockdown and vendors start canceling. So we have makeup person canceling, the hair person canceling, babysitters mm-hmm. canceling, and then the Rockley actually called to cancel at 10.43 oh, p.m. Saturday night. And we had to really scramble. I very calmly spoke with them and just said, what am I supposed to do? We're nine hours out from showing up. I can't even call vendors at this point. I convinced them to think about it. He said, the owner told me he would call me back in 10 minutes. So Tyler being Tyler, very calmly goes into the other room. He said, I'm going to go dob him to Hillam, going to pray with some Psalms. And we wait for the call back and they did call back and thank God that we could still have the wedding at the Rockley, but that there were going to be restrictions, which was fine because we were going above and beyond all the requirements. We decided that we were going to take the strictest requirements globally. So Mm -hmm. we took the under a hundred from Israel at the time. Everyone had gloves. We had spacing. We called every guest before to make sure nobody was coughing, had any symptoms. We didn't sleep well the night before the wedding. (laughs) It was a little crazy. I think I slept an hour. Oh, my gosh. And as we're driving to the Rockley around 8 a.m. Sunday morning, Mel, he's not the maitre d', but he's one of the people who run the Rockley. He called my cell to tell me, it's going to be beautiful. We're going to make it best. And it was just such a relief. In the end, the wedding ended up being so incredibly special. It made me rethink these large weddings. (laughs) It was so special and so beautiful and so filled with love. And the support of the community lifting us up and joining in. And we even had the workers from the Rockley come in during the chuppah and they were in tears because it was was just so special. 
I got to say, first of all, that story is incredibly moving. While my foreman and I were thinking about podcast guests on Sunday, we sprung into action. We were trying to think about what do we do during this time. And I saw your post on Facebook. You were holding a bottle of lemonade and a bunch of lemons. And it was something about taking lemons and turning it into lemonade. And like, that's that's you, Janet. From the little I know you, every single time that there's something, some crisis or, or some difficult situation, you find the way to be positive. And I think that for all of us, we need these stories right now. The fact that in the midst of something really difficult and dark, that you know you are persevering as much as you can to find happiness and to celebrate happiness and to give happiness its due and to make sure to really celebrate a simcha. I mean, that's super moving. I saw your pictures on Facebook of the wedding and it really did look like a wedding of 600 people. You could see the room still looked like it was packed in a totally responsible way, but full of people who love you and love your son. And the, the simcha that I could see, at least, seemed really palpable. Yeah, it was, we were torn whether, I don't know if you saw the post, but I was very torn whether to post pictures or not. We were going to do a live feed during the wedding. You know, we have family in Israel who couldn't come. My father wasn't able to come. And we just wanted to share it. But we felt that it really wouldn't be fair to the people who had to cancel weddings or who made decisions sure. to just do a simple wedding in the living room. And we felt that it just wasn't worth upsetting anybody. So we held back on doing any live stream. And then yesterday I felt, you know what, everyone is so stressed right now and there's so much going on that I wanted to share the photos. So we carefully, you know, picked photos. I wanted to make sure not everybody was seen in them. I got really great comments for sharing them them from people. But it was, a, it was a tough decision to do that. But in the end, you know, everyone has to make choices that, that work for them. And, you know, like you said, I, I'm a big believer that when life gives you lemons, you make the lemonade. And I don't say bad things happen. I say we're all given certain experiences and everyone has a choice. And you can either look at the negative and you'll attract more of that, or you can find the beauty or the positive in any situation and focus on that and somehow it just grows. So we chose to take a very difficult situation and turn it into a beautiful event. And we had a lot of powerful lessons from it. A lot of beautiful things happened because of it. Even now, we had to postpone another son's wedding that was supposed to take place the end of May. And we postponed that just now. You have another son who's getting married. Yeah, we had three May. weddings in nine months, all very different. And again, whatever... I'm supposed to be experiencing, we take it and we make the best of it. And I'm very fortunate that the bride's family had the same attitude. If you're not on the same page, it might make it a little more difficult. But yeah. if you set the tone and for parents who are home with their kids, for families that are not normally all cooped up together, can look at the negative and the complaining mm -hmm. or can find the beauty in the moment of being able to spend time together. Um, you know, you go outside. The world almost seems a little quieter right now, and there's really some beauty in that quiet. So in all this chaos, if you just pause and focus on the beautiful things, I don't know, I think it's a very powerful lesson for all of us, and it's really an opportunity to slow down and experience life in a different way. Yeah, this is the message we keep hearing again and again, and, and honestly, 
I'd think it was preachy from anyone but you. You're showing us if you keep looking backwards and trying to find the new normal, as uh, Rabbi Foreman and I talked about in a previous episode, you're going to continue to be disappointed. But if you're kind of surfing the waves that come and you find uh, a way to look forward and to really make lemonade out of the lemons that come, yeah, you can definitely find that positivity. I call it the log flume of life. The log flume of life. Sometimes the log flume is going up, chick, 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 and then you get to the top. And it comes back down, and it's fun, and you get splashed. And you have to just go where the ride takes you and enjoy the ride. So that's what we do at the Hoda Boat. We take what comes our way. And I have to tell you, Tyler and Avital were remarkable. As stressful as this situation is, and it doesn't mean that there are points that aren't hard. And there are, you know, there are times when you sit down and you cry. And there are times when you say to your friends, I don't know how much more I can take. But it's those friends and the ability of every person to go inside and to change your attitude and just find that little tiny positive and look at it. And then it changes the situation and can turn it into a beautiful thing. So, so that's what we do. And Justin, my other son and his future Kala, his future bride, Ellie, they just did the same thing yesterday. They made the decision on their own that for the safety of others and for themselves, and out of respect for the rabbis and out of respect for the government and their decisions, whether we agree with them or not agree with them, you still have to show respect. And they pushed off on their own. They made a decision to push off their wedding. So we're going with the flow here. Incredible. Janet, thank you so much for sharing your story of positivity with us, uh, for your general perspective, and really just helping us see the rays of light in what feel like very dark times. Both these stories are incredible stories of, of perseverance and positivity. So. Thank you, Janet, for joining us. And uh, I wish you a huge mazel tov. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much. And to all of you at home, thank you so much for listening. As a reminder, Aleph Beta is offering free accounts. So if you're interested in doing some learning to prepare for Pesach, now is the time. The videos are perfect for kids and for adults. Also, considering that there is no more laning, we're doing a push to substitute laning for learning. Aleph Beta has amazing Parsha videos, and you can check it all out at alephbeta.org. If you really enjoy the work that we do and you want to support this podcast, please consider becoming a member. You can also do that at alephbeta.org. We really, really appreciate your generosity and support. Thanks and stay tuned.